At this time, Lawrence Gregory will bring the sermon ambassadors for Christ. Sir? Good afternoon. What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? What does an ambassador do? And what makes it a success? The dictionary defines ambassador as the highest representative sent by one government to another who speaks and acts on behalf of his government. And the second definition is the official messenger with a special errand. Now, there are only about 12 words in the Bible of the word ambassador and in its several forms. That uh, word occurs a few times. But I have some of the points that I want to share from the references in The Art of Diplomacy, a book by Thomas A. Bailey. Then I have a few scriptures. And I want us to know that the ambassador of, let's say, for example, of a nation is appointed by the president, like in the United States, but answers to the Secretary of State. So the ambassador has responsibilities and accountability to the citizens, to the nation, to the Secretary of State, to the president who appoints him. So I want to uh, share a few references first from this book and understand that this is a physical uh, ambassador of the American nation and what there are a lot of references in here, a lot of history that I want over a couple hundred years that I won't go into, but I have seven points that I want to share with us. And uh, the first point is uh, on page 55 and page 63. And the first point is uh, the ambassador should know the policies in detail. Now let me read uh, from uh, what Mr. Bailey says here about the ambassador. Uh, An ambassador can hardly be expected to carry out the policy of his government with effectiveness if he does not know in detail what it is and the reason for it. The envoy, and we use this word, if you'll notice, uh, sometimes uh, the word ambassador, envoy, diplomat is synonymous. So they're synonyms for uh, this representative of the government. Sometimes it's referred to as an envoy, sometimes as an ambassador, sometimes as a diplomat, but it's a special representative. The envoy who is well informed is twice armed and ideally all relevant data should be fed to him. And then uh, on page uh, 63, uh, he says, the American ambassador should also be well informed about American history. So just translate this in biblical ambassador into biblical history. For he is, in addition to other duties, an interpreter of his country to the host nation. He can hardly interpret it 
faithfully unless he knows it well. So we know from the Bible that a person that um, is a citizen of the kingdom, is a representative, is an ambassador for Christ, should know the laws and doctrines of the Bible and the history. So we should be familiar with the Bible because we're going to be representing God's government to the other nations and to the earth. And we'll get into that uh, more later. Now the second point I want to uh, uh, present is cultivate friends but not intimates. And uh, let's see what he says here in uh, the second point. The ambassador should develop honest friendships with most persons but entangling alliances with none. Empathy is helpful, but the ambassador must never let his attachment to a foreign people cause him to forget that he is there to promote the interest of his own country. No ambassador should ever be sent to a country whose people he dislikes. And so we're told by the Bible to be in the world, but not of the world. To come out of it and to be separate. We are citizens of heaven. We're representatives of the kingdom of God. But we're to be like strangers in the earth. We're to represent the government of God to the nations of the earth. And uh, we should know the details, the history, the scriptures, the doctrines, the teachings of the Bible in detail. We are to be friendly with everyone, but we're not to be uh, a part of that world. We're not to be uh, establishing intimate relations. We're to be separate from the world. Now, another one here is kind of interesting uh, that he presents uh, on page uh, 37. The third point is the American ambassador looks like a diplomat. A diplomat is more likely to succeed if he has dignity and presence. That is, without being a stuffed shirt. He looks like a diplomat. He must command respect if he expects to receive it. The uh, ambassador should be ingenious and clever, but not so clever as to outreach himself. He should be shrewd in evaluating evidence, resources and expedience, uh, perceptiveness, especially to seeing worldwide trouble looming on the horizons. A superior intelligence is related to a deep interest in international affairs. A studious and inquiring mind, powers of analysis, a capacity to separate the essential from the non-essential, a balanced judgment, the ability to think clearly and logically in a crisis, and good political horse sense. Now, we're told in the Bible to have a good appearance. Now, we all work, and sometimes we get dirty, and sometimes we uh, are necessary to work, but when we come before God, how do we come before God? In a beautiful attire as much as we can afford and the best that we can see? How do we represent ourselves to others and the character and the intelligence that we represent to our neighbors and to our friends and to people in the world as we are official ambassadors for Christ, as we explain? 
Sometimes we do this in our old grubbies, sometimes in our work clothes, sometimes in our uh, uh, everyday attire, but still we should have a personal presence to know that we're representatives of God and we're representative of his kingdom. Another point uh, is uh, here the highest character. And he says the ambassador is generally regarded, regarded in the host country as a personification of the virtues and vices of the nation that he represents. The highest character embraces a sense of self-sacrifice, dedication to the public service, unimpeachable integrity, and complete trustworthiness. Courage, moral and physical, is an essential ingredient of a strong character, and foreign service officers need their share of it. And then he goes through, uh, I'm not going to do this, but in the uh, history of, that he's writing here, he gives a lot of references going back a couple of hundred years, and he mentions certain individuals and their conduct and how they represented the American government and uh, their uh, uh, character that uh, they have. So I just say briefly that we need to have character, godly character. And we need to be in the entrance and the uh, emphasis in our life ought to be in duplicating the character of our representative government and of God who is the personification of that government. On page 39, he lists the fifth uh, point that I want to point out here is tact and diplomacy. Tact is virtually synonymous with diplomacy. The envoy must ordinarily keep his dislike, dislikes under control and not repay disagreeableness with disagreeableness. He must develop skill in saying sweet nothings on those occasions when it is best to say nothing. A soft answer not only turns away wrath, but invites soft answers. So we're told in the scriptures to have self-control, to be under control, to have tact and diplomacy when we talk to others, and not like uh, my wife and I yesterday, we were going into Walmart to make a, a few purchases. And uh, in the crosswalk, we waited because there were some cars that were going back and forth. And this one car was coming and it stopped. And a guy cut in front of us and went across the, the crossing there. And he was yelling at the driver of that car. And he was really castigating them for uh, not uh, honoring the pedestrians that were in the cross crosswalk. And the car had stopped and the lady and the, there was a man in there. And the lady was trying to talk and explain that she had already stopped. And boy, that guy, he went in the store ahead of us. And we were kind of separate from him because we were going through the, the crossing. But he was really irate. He was shouting and yelling. And uh, it's a wonder the people didn't shoot him or <laughs> like today the way they do. But uh, we need a certain amount of uh, self-control and tact and diplomacy. Now, the sixth point is... Uh, uh, that I want to share here is uh, patience and persistence. Patience and persistence are the very soul of diplomacy. The negotiator must not try to force the pace of, of events. The future comes only one day at a time. The capacity to outlast the other fellow 
this is called, and he says it's called bladder diplomacy, uh, as it's been called, has frequently reaped such rewards. And then he lists individuals from history that waited and were patient and were persistent in their uh, conduct and in the things that they were presenting. Uh, a primary task of the diplomat, who should be an optimist, is to keep the discussions alive, even when they seem hopeless. He must continue to hope that his opponents will finally see the light of reason as he sees it, or that changing conditions will change their minds for them. And so sometimes we get the occasion to talk about prophecy or to explain current events and future events to someone and we have to be careful that we base our interpretation of prophecies on the truth of the scriptures and the word of God. I know, for example, uh, somebody was telling me here just recently that uh, they, there's two witnesses already in Jerusalem. They're over there and they're preaching and they know who they are. Uh, that doesn't reconcile with the scriptures that we understand from the time frame of what Jesus said in the book of Revelation, does it? That those two witnesses are over there because uh, they have three and a half years to do their prophecy. But uh, at the end, and whoever wants to be one of those is looking forward to a horrible death because they're going to be killed at the end of their testimony. Okay, uh, the seventh point that I want to uh, list here is uh, mentioned here. If the envoy lives abroad too long, he is liable, chameleon-like, to absorb too completely the outlook of the host nation while losing contact with shifting currents of opinion back home. He becomes less vigorous in presenting the case of his own government, and he falls out of step with implementation elsewhere. And so uh, the uh, envoy who is uh, uh, representing his government must be brought back and from time to time updated on uh, the uh, future and uh, the uh, direction of his country so that he represents it in truth. You don't want an ambassador that's out there freewheeling and saying things that aren't true about your nation. The same thing with the kingdom of God. We want representatives who are going to rightfully and truthfully present the interpretation of the scriptures to those that we have contact. Am I making sense? Now, I know uh, that uh, we have uh, occasions in our life where we need to be in uh, contact with uh, our God. We need to be in prayer and study and we need to be uh, in fellowship with one another so that we get and present the truth of God to those that we have contact with. Now, uh, I have in contrast here to some of the history of uh, this book here, uh, I didn't want to bore you with all of the references in here and all of the several hundred years of documentation that he has spent about individuals. So uh, I'm going to go now to a few scriptures, and I just have a few references. The first one is uh, in uh, Proverbs, the 13th chapter, verse 17. 
Proverbs 13, 17 says, A wicked messenger faileth, falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. A wicked ambassador falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Now, it's better to be truthful and suffer the consequences than to lie and try to get out of it. Uh, we know what happens when people lie as representatives of America to other nations. But we have to be absolutely honest. Now, that means sometimes we have to be very tactful and diplomatic in how we respond and how we answer and uh, careful in that way. But uh, if we're going to be a faithful messenger to God, we need to be truthful because that's going to be health for the receiving person and health for us as well. So we want to remember that. Uh, in the uh, second scripture, in Second Corinthians, and uh, verse 5. I'll just read off of the board. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself, by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. That's a long sentence of three verses there. Paul writes sometimes in long sentences and long paragraphs. But basically, what he's saying is, I, I know, I know, and we'll look at this a little later, that ambassadors that are appointed, that are high representatives, we liken those to ministers. But we all have a service, we all have a ministry, we all are in support of the ministers of God that he has ordained and called separately to a particular work, whether, whatever that work might be in the outreach of his kingdom. And we know ambassadors that are, uh, and I looked up uh, on the uh, internet and there's a list of almost a couple of hundred ambassadors, about every nation, some, most of them I never heard of. And most of them are in obscurity. And people that are representatives here in America, there are a lot of ambassadors that are from other nations in America. I know my wife and I, a few years ago, were in Washington, D.C. And uh, we spent a couple of days there. We had an opportunity to see a lot of the uh, different uh, uh, important uh, things around Washington, D.C. But I noticed, and I was really disappointed and aggravated, I didn't say anything. But I noticed there were a lot of, and it seemed like uh, so many of the diplomats were driving, maybe they were um, uh, uh, at the time Mercury's or uh, 
They were black cars with very black windshields and they had on the tag on a diplomat and they would just drive up and double park and get out and go or the driver would stay or the, the person would go into shopping or whatever. And that was all over Washington. And it didn't seem like they were obeying the laws because the average ordinary citizen couldn't, you know, double park without getting a ticket and just pull up and leave your car and go in uh, like they were doing. And so those diplomats over here weren't honoring our laws and respect of our laws of Washington, as I determined from an Okie in Washington, D.C. I didn't say anything, but it looked to me like they were kind of violating a lot of uh, laws. And uh, so our ambassador that goes overseas has to pay attention to the laws of that country and live by the laws because they, they have a little uh, embassy or a home or a residence or an office that is a part of America in that foreign nation. So they're a little outreach and representative of America, and I'm talking historically here uh, so that we can keep this perspective of the physical and the spiritual and know what I'm talking about. As God has his embassy, has this little outreach of his kingdom on this earth, he wants it to have a true representation and we're ambassadors, we're representatives of that kingdom. Though we may not be an ordained minister, we may not have a particular position or a high relevancy, still we are collectively supporters of that outreach of that kingdom of God. And so uh, we want to make sure that uh, we can uh, be a true representative of that uh, ambassador and embassy of God in our outreach and explaining his laws and his doctrines to the nations. Okay, uh, another reference here, and I have two more to go. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we'll back up. Ephesians uh, 6, 20 uh, to... Uh, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now here, the Apostle Paul was uh, at different times uh, a prisoner for his uh, expression, and sometimes he was in chains or handcuffs, and we know that he lost his life from a Roman prison later in about 64 AD, but this is in about 60 AD. And from time to time, he was a prisoner of the Roman Empire. And so sometimes when we, when we consider the earth and all the nations, and there's over about 200 nations on this earth, and uh, some have a little more, some have a little less. Some have 95, 195, some have 217 nations. So it depends on what country is representative as a nation. But those, uh, many of those nations have many Christians living in those nations, and they're suffering a great deal of opposition and persecution, aren't they? And so uh, they are still to uh, represent, even though they are prisoners in bond, even though they're in jail or prison, uh, they still have prayers that they can be a good witness 
of the gospel of the kingdom of God, that they can speak boldly as they ought to speak when they need to speak tactfully and diplomatically at times, but boldly with courage at other times and proclaim the truth. And we see that as uh, examples all through the scriptures. Now, let's go back to um, the Old Testament to uh, Joshua. Uh, let's see, uh, this is the ninth chapter of Joshua. And uh, I want to just refer to some of this. Uh, I'll read uh, Joshua 9, verse 3. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai. Now, when the Israelites came up, you know, as they were there at the, at the River Jordan, uh, they destroyed the city of Ai and uh, Jericho with the blowing of the trumpets and the walls come tumbling down. We know that story of Jericho and Ai. And so uh, when the inhabitants of Gibeon, which is kind of a, a little area northeast of, uh, of Jerusalem and in that uh, area there, uh, close to Jerusalem, when they heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilily and went and made as, it, as if they had been ambassadors and took old socks upon their asses, old sacks upon their asses, and wine bottles old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and uh, cluded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make you a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are you and where did you come from? And they said unto him, From a far country your servants are come because of the name of the Lord your God. And then they rehearsed all the things that they had heard. And uh, finally, after their presentation, Joshua accepted them and the people accepted them and were friends. And then a few days later, the truth came out that they were just lying and they were uh, deceivers and uh, they were pretenders and they were acting on their desire for security. So uh, Joshua listened to that and uh, the, the people of Israel, excuse me, I don't know why that's all, uh, have that echo, okay. Uh, maybe if I stand a little closer. I don't know what to do. Can you hear that uh, out there? Uh, kind of a echo? Is it better now? Okay. Uh, anyway, nope. Well, we'll, we'll have to survive. Uh, I won't go much longer. <laughs> we'll do it that way. I'll put that down just a little bit. Um, I don't know what we can do. But, um, Anyway, uh, they uh, presented themselves as uh, they were close and deceptive and wily and they were pretenders. 
and they were accepted. And then uh, after uh, consultation with the rest of Israel, uh, Joshua decided not to kill them and get rid of them like they had uh, done other nations or other cities that were uh, uh, resistant to Israel as they progressed. So he made them wood uh, cutters and wood bearers uh, for the rest of the uh, Israel and the temple service. And so the scriptures say they continue to this day. Now, here is, here's a point that I want us to um, remember is that um, we've got to be careful when someone says, I'm a Christian, or I believe, or I'm this way or that way. It's all right to question. It's all right to ask. It's all right to accept proof because we don't want to be deceived, do we? We don't want to be led down the primrose path, they say, to uh, oblivion. We want to welcome in and we welcome strangers, we welcome people to come into the fellowship of God and into the kingdom of God, into the church of God. We want that. We want to go to all nations with this message and produce disciples. That's our calling. That's our job. That's our duty. That's our responsibility as representatives of the kingdom of God. But we, at the same time, we want to be uh, truthful in the way we present ourselves and we want other people to be truthful when they come to us. Because I've had people that have lied and have said some erroneous things. Now, in closing, uh, I have a few uh, comments that I've written down. Uh, uh, we all have uh, memories of uh, ambassadors uh, that we are know, like John Bolton, or uh, we're familiar with the uh, Ambassador Stevens. Uh, you remember him from uh, Libya for, that was assassinated? And uh, uh, without going into this, let, let, let me just say this. Uh, he was warned a number of times because all the other countries abandoned Libya and pulled their embassies and their staff out of Libya. But there was speculation that they were gun runners, that they were illegally uh, sending the American government or people in America was sending guns to some of the uh, uh, other nations in the area. So uh, it's not known for sure. Was he going there to investigate that or was he, what was his purpose to go there? Because he kept being warned not to go there to Libya, but he insisted. And then when he got there, we know that he was killed and that uh, there was not uh, aid sent uh, timely to rescue a number of the other people that uh, uh, lost their lives. And so um, we have a lot of questions about Benghazi and uh, Libya and who's telling the truth and who's lying and what went on and why. One of these days, I can just say this, we're going to know the truth, aren't we? We're going to know one of these days. It might take a long time for us to know. But one of these days, the truth will be known. And liars will be revealed. And truth tellers will know. So let's just make a point that in our life, we're not going to lie. Because we'll be found out. Maybe immediately. Maybe after a short time like the Gibeonites. A short time. Maybe uh, eventually, after hundreds of years, it'll be revealed, but all liars 
will have their part in the lake of fire that burns forever and burns them up. Now, ambassadors need consultation to keep them on track. Sometimes they need to be recalled for a time for discipline or retraining. And if they depart totally from their government's policy, then they're fired. There's a lesson, I think, for us that sometimes we need to keep checking and we check with other people that we know of and going back to the Bible to see what is the truth of the policy, what should I be believing in the stating? Because I don't want to be presenting a lie, I don't want to be presenting uh, the falseness. But if a person persists, oh yeah, this is, this is the way it is, and it's a lie, then that person, by God, the king, the, the president, the one who called them, is going to fire them eventually. We are official reps, envoys of the government of God. We're commissioned and authorized to take the message of the kingdom of God to the nations of the earth. Our job is to develop the character of God as we represent him to the people, to speak his word and will to the people as servants. We are servants, we are ambassadors. We may not be ordained, we may be a lowly, as we would say, I'm just a member, but we're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're representatives, we're ambassadors, we're representatives of Christ, and so we should act and talk like he does. We're not all ordained or designated ministers. Yet we all are involved as servants in presenting the kingdom of God to the world. Our shared mission is to work together in proclaiming the gospel message to the world by what we do and what we are. We are all servants. We are all followers of Jesus Christ. We all are to be like him and we want everyone to be like him in all things. So we can ask ourselves, am I a faithful, good, true ambassador for Christ? What kind of ambassador for Christ am I? So we can ask ourselves those questions and we can answer them. And um, I hope that what we have shared in these few minutes will be helpful to all of us as we go through that uh, question and answer in our individual lives.